There's a Star Wars reference hidden in there somewhere. Somewhere. Tauntology. <laughs> the tauntology. Ta- <laughs> It's what happens when you wander around the snow until you die of frostbite. That's right. What it's a very, it's a very is. vivid, very vivid <laughs> picture that we got. That's right what there. happens. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. I'm your co-host, Father Peter Grodi. And we're here at the Coming Home Network for another episode of Deep in Christ. This is a show about our ongoing journey uh, with with our Lord Jesus Christ and that day-to-day selection of the next right step that he he calls us to do. Uh, And we've been talking uh, about virtue, we've been digging into the catechism a little bit, and um, today we want to dig a bit more into prudence. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, we started that last week. We had a good long discussion, kind of an overview of prudence, which is the chief of the cardinal virtues, the mother of all virtue, as Thomas calls it, the virtue mm-hmm. bearer, the charioteer of the virtues. Uh, but there's a lot to that 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 concept. Man, we've had some good conversations off yeah. camera about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we want to dig into it a bit more today. Particularly the, the aspect of prudence that we want to dig more in today, um, I think... One of the ways we defined it last week, last last episode, was sort of a, a prudence is this habit of being, of turning to reality and selecting the next right step. That's one way to think of it. And we can see how that sort of opens the way to the other virtues. If we're not really attending to reality, then the virtues can't be virtues, you know, because prudence is, is picking the right thing at the right time for the right reason, etc. and so forth. Uh, the aspect of prudence that we wanted to focus on today was specifically that turning to reality. The turning to reality part is the part that connects very much with this idea that prudence is the gateway or the mother of these virtues, right? Yeah. Because that's it, it's just that, that initial process, right? What we need to do in any given situation, in any given moment, in any given day, when we're trying to we're trying to make a moral decision about anything, you know, it mm-hmm. ultimately it ultimately comes down to that first and foremost. As we're going to talk about, what you know, kind of what, what does it actually look like? But that first and foremost, stepping back and examining and trying to discern, you know, what and, and attend to what is reality, yeah. you know, and ultimately, ultimately, that's the gateway into anything being a virtue, yeah, because it, it's the it's the gateway in the the means by which we make something intentional, yeah, an actual response to reality rather than just kind of like you know a reaction to either emotion or a falsity or something which. You know, we may do the right thing in any of those situations, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be necessarily a virtuous action. Yeah. Just because it doesn't have that intentionality and that, you know, actually trying to respond correctly to, to what's in front of us. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking beforehand about how um, there's a sense in which, you know, you'll see as we dig more into these virtues that all the virtues are contained in each. There's some interesting mm-hmm. sort of Venn diagram sort of situation going on there where... Flow chart. We well, we're, we haven't worked on the flow chart yet. We'll get there, but... But, you know, like to, to prudence is in, in a, an important sense, this portal to all the other virtues, it, the mother, it, it opens the way. But in another sense, you know, uh, courage is necessary for prudence. Hmm. You know, to turn to reality takes some, some courage. So there's, there's that aspect to it. But we were talking about the, the distinction between the virtues. Um, and I think on this level of this commitment to reality, that, that everything we do has to be based in reality, that actually gets at one of the real decisive aspects of prudence, of why it is first 
and why it is so distinct and unique. Because if any of the other virtues, we can imagine them operating, but not operating with this anchor in reality. Again, I think we gave an exa some examples last week of, you know, we can imagine someone who's naturally, temperamentally courageous, but that, that courage can be exercised without any regard for reality. It can be rooted in their fantasy, in their passion, in just the situation of their life, but with no reference to, you know, who am I? Who is God? What is this life about? And prudence is this translation point where, mm. where reality, but the big and the small reality, the reality of the, of the, the universe and the, the universal eternal things, as well as the reality of you know this temporal world, the actual facts and figures and the, the things around me. It's where that reality is translated in decision. But prudence is this, this anchor point where everything I do, for it to be virtuous, for it to be good, it has to be rooted in reality. Mm -hmm. It can't be self-referential. It has to be in reference to reality. In reference to some of the things that we were talking about before the show in preparation, that it seems that if you're not, if it's not being rooted, if you know, if a decision is not being rooted in reality, if it's been, if, if it's, we're reacting either to a kind of a strong emotion about something that that yeah. may or may not be true, mm -hmm. or we're, um, or just reacting to a falsity. Um, without that intentionality and without that kind of stepping back to try to attend to reality itself, when we get to kind of those later decisions, you know, um, concerning either courage or, or temperance or anything along those lines, we're by necessity, we're going to be strained towards like a really a moderate, tending towards a real moderate reaction or really a real moderate um, um, action in those mm -hmm. situations. You know, like with someone whose natural tendency is, is like is courageous action they don't feel fear exactly you mm -hmm. know the way that a lot of people do or they just they have a tendency towards kind of that, that pushing back against anything that that tells them to to not you know not push back you know yeah. for, for me i'm a very not that way type of person <laughs> you know my tendency is to be very reserved and say well, let's just let's just figure it out you know yeah. let's let's yeah. not have a fight about anything or anything mm -hmm. but there's some people who kind of rebel they're they're rebels yeah but it but but if you're <laughs> A rebel without sorry. a cause. <laughs> hey, you, you stole my <laughs> line. Come sorry, on, I was sorry. getting there. I was going to say, without prudence, we're, we become the rebel without a cause. Yeah. You know, and so because of that, that that rebellion is going to tend towards a real, a moderate reaction towards things. Yeah. And it's going to be the same with people like me, whose natural tendency is the opposite direction. That I'm going to be way over temperate and you know, quote unquote, temperate in times when I need to be more courageous. Yeah. You know. Because it, because um, I'm temperate without a cause, yeah. you know I'm not I'm not doing it because it's the just reaction to a prudent prudent um, attendance to reality. Rather, I'm just doing it because I'm kind of reacting to sort of my yeah. my fears or my my you know um, my laziness or etc. You know. Yeah, I, and this the same can be going, said for temperance as well. And I, I want to dig into this more a little bit. We have to make sure we come back to it. But I, I, if we if we scratch the surface a little bit, I think we can all recognize lots of areas in our life where we have an, a desire for things, mm -hmm. even good things that are not what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I desire to get on the internet and tell all the people why they're wrong. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the desire that arises in me sometimes. It's almost never the prudent thing to do. And so if, yeah. if, if my temperance, if my desires are self-referential, they're, they're simply, oh, I'll do what I want to do, 
and I'm a pretty good person, so the things I want to do are pretty good things. Mm -hmm. You get into this self-referential tautology, yeah. you know, where uh, I, I do what is right, and what is right is what I want, and because I want it, and it just stays with itself. Where prudence says, no, I, I, have to, I have to lodge this, I have to anchor this in reality. You know, I, I may want this, but that doesn't make it right. That doesn't mean it's what I ought to be doing. So it always has to, to refer back to reality. There's a Star Wars reference hidden in there somewhere. Somewhere. Tontology. It's what happens when you wander around the snow until you die of frostbite. That's right. what it's a very It's a very is. vivid, very vivid <laughs> picture that we got That's right there. That's what happens. So. Well, I want to read this little bit. This is the beginning of uh, a chapter from Pieper uh, in his section on prudence. Joseph uh, Pieper, you were referring to him a lot. Hmm. Uh, he's got this great book on the Cardinal Virtues, drawing a lot from Thomas Aquinas. Um, but this, this is from a chapter called Knowledge of Reality and the Realization of the Good. And he writes, The preeminence of prudence, which we talked about last week, uh, means that realization of the good presupposes knowledge of reality. He alone can do good who knows what things are like and what their situation is. The preeminence of prudence means that so-called good intention and so-called meaning well by no means uh, suffice. Realization of the good presupposes that our actions are appropriate to the real situation, that is, to the concrete realities which form the environment of a concrete human action, and that we therefore take this concrete reality seriously with clear-eyed objectivity. Now, the first sentence there, again, again, these are long quotes, uh, and thank you for your patience with them, but mm -hmm. that first sentence again, the preeminence of prudence means that realization of the good presupposes knowledge of reality. Mm -hmm. Good, to put this in very simple philosophical terms, the good depends on the true. Mm -hmm. You know, for us to, to do the good, the good is always in reference to what is what things actually are. Mm -hmm. The good isn't just, oh, I, I, had, I had good intentions, I'm well-meaning, mm -hmm. I'm a good person. No, it, it has to be in relation to the things that, as they actually are. You know, just because I, I mean well and what I think I mean... My meaning well for you means I want to end your life because you're in pain, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's not in reference to the reality of that human person. Yeah, I mean, the summary of this quote is, is basically that the road to hell is paved for good intentions. Good intentions. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what this comes down to. Yeah. Which just goes back to the church, is, how the church understands, like, how do we discern the morality of a mm -hmm. given action? And there are, there are different, you know, three different elements um, that we would take, which is the objective nature of the the action, you know, mm -hmm. the objective reality of the action, um, the intention behind the action, yeah. and the cir circumstances in which the action are done. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we could apply those, you know, to any given situation to kind of ask whether a morally good thing has been done. If it if it if it, if it checks all those boxes, then it's kind of it's morally perfectly upright, and then it can kind of fall in different ways depending on those things. Mm -hmm. But um, it's important that just the intention itself is not enough. You know, right. there needs to be a first and foremost a kind of reflection back to what is the nature of the action that is being done, mm -hmm. and uh, and not just the action that is being done, but you know, then of course looking at the circumstances too. Mm -hmm. Circumstances, I think honestly, it's it's when we're looking at the circumstances of a particular action that prudence is really going to come into play mm -hmm. in the most for in a big way in, in our kind of daily lives, mm -hmm. because um, there are situations where like the nature of the action, like ending someone's life because they feel, you know, they, we don't want them to experience pain. There's, there's a more kind of objective, kind of bigger nature, like, oh, you know, the greater moral truth is a bit more clear here, and we just need to attenuate ourselves to that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to prudence, like really kind of in the mud happening, applying in our daily life, it's more along the lines of, 
should I watch TV right now? Or, you know, should I go and pray or take out the garbage? You know, I mean, it's like it's when, when we're getting down to kind of daily life, it's going to have a lot to do with kind of examining the uh, the circumstances. Yeah, because uh, it's, around our it's those little decisions. We talked about that a little bit, too. The, the little decisions. A lot of times what gets us in trouble in life is that we, we are thinking about these big situations, hmm. but not recognizing that, no, no, I have a thousand little yeses mm-hmm. to God in my normal day-to-day. Mm-hmm. I can I can sit in my armchair and, and, and hope that, man, I'll someday when I'm in this situation in need of great courage or temperance, mm-hmm. you know, some big moral decision that I'll be ready for it. I'll mm-hmm. be a hero. But that's built out of a thousand small acts mm-hmm. of courage and temperance in my day-to-day life. Um, and prudence, I think, it, it does always involve the, the most practical, the smallest. It's mm-hmm. almost, prudence, we might almost say, is always this bringing together of the biggest and the smallest, mm-hmm. bringing them together. You know, we, we bring to bear reality as best as we can apprehend it to the smallest, bite-sized little chunk of action we can do. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't try to go five steps ahead. We say, no, how does the meaning and purpose of my life and my nature as a human person, like how does that bear on this next tiny yeah. step? Which is, it's funny because, you know, it can, to someone maybe on the, uh, to someone <laughs> to someone on the outside, mm-hmm. it might seem like it's uh, like an overreaction to a small inconsequential action. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's two things I'd bring to bear on that. One is the parable of the, of the, uh, the parable of the tenants uh, mm-hmm. in the Bible, which we had for our Sunday reading a few weeks ago. Or, mm-hmm. Well, probably, <laughs> it's probably a month and a half ago now, come yeah. to think of it. But, um you know, the, the master, he goes away on a journey and he gives his three servants the ten tenants, the five tenants, and the one tenant. Yeah. Or talent, sorry, talent. Yeah. Tenant is a different thing. <laughs> um, and so he gives them the you know, ten, five, and one talent, and then he comes back and he finds that the man with ten talents has reproduced those. And he says, well, done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in small things. I will give you responsibility in large things, right? Yeah. So on one hand, what we see there, first of all, is just the thing saying that, oh, even the small responsibilities, you know, like if, if, if we are, are uh, if we're faithful in the small things, then, then we'll be able to be faithful in the bigger things, right? Right. But the twist in that story, one of the twists in that story is that a talent is like a crazy amount of large, large sum of money back then, <laughs> right. you know, and it's not like a coin. That gets lost. I know, you it know, gets the, lost in that. You it, know, know, it's yeah. like when, you don't, when, you, when you aren't there in the culture, yeah. you know, and so w- w- what, um, what we're, we're kind of finding in that situation is that even the small things in life, that's in a sense kind of the substance of, in, in, a, in a big way for most of us, that's going to be the substance of whether we're a disciple of Christ or not. Yeah. You know, few of us are going to have the opportunity to you know, lay our life down in a physical, bloody way for God. Yeah. But all of us are going to have the opportunity to lay our life down in the infinites, you know, like the infinite small ways yeah. that that come throughout daily life. So there's that, uh-huh. and then just on top of that, there was a saint, um, a saint or a blessed. Man, I wish I, I wish I could remember who they are, <laughs> but um, they said it would be better if the whole world, if everyone on earth, died. In starvation, and the entire universe, you know, dissolved into flame, and for a single venial sin to be committed, which is a shocking thing to hear. <laughs> a shocking thing. We we didn't say it. This, <laughs> the, this no, really the, holy person real said holy. it. You know, like you know. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, but if you tend to the truth of the reality, is that the 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 ontological reality of a betrayal of a uh, of God by His creation yeah. 
is far greater than all of the natural evil yeah, that natural. could ever because you know natural evil that there's no moral bad being done in by you know by its by just kind of the the reality of it. Yeah. There can be moral bad being done by a person being starved, but if if the entire world starves yeah. by no moral bad being done imposed upon them, yeah. then all of that natural evil does not equate to a single moral evil. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the significance is that these when we're taking these big, huge, you know, kind of ultimate truths and we're applying them to these small things, it's because, you know, although they are just venial sins compared mm-hmm. to like mortal sins, I mean that is the substance essentially of that, that's a big deal for us. You know, mm-hmm. each of those is a big deal. Like we really got to be striving for yeah. all those things. And that's because then that's what life is about. Is about um, it's, it's what we do, what we're becoming by what we do, and that's why virtue is important. Because it's describing. If we do X, Y, or Z, if we take these steps, we're either becoming, you know, that saint or that opposite of the saint, you know, mm-hmm. uh, by our actions. Now, I think a key here, um, so our, again, what we're talking about today is this aspect of prudence. Uh, we're highlighting that how prudence is about this commitment to reality, it's commitment to truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's immensely practical, you know. Mm-hmm. Prudence always deals with uh, not so much the ideal, um, you know, information we don't have, but with it, what we do have. So right now, where I am, what I know, um, as best as I can, Lord, what is your will in this next step? Mm-hmm. I think that's an important point here that we're not. Um, prudence is is a is a practical virtue, is, is how it would be described in the sense that it's dealing with what in practice we can actually do. I can't stop life and get off the train and go figure everything out and then come mm. back you know with perfect information no at every moment i have to as best i can with uh, the the conscience insofar as it's been formed try to make that next right decision yeah joseph peeper he uh, on page 18 he has got a, a quote that specifically talks about that and he's you know he's referring to thomas aquinas and all these things but yeah it says the certitude of prudence cannot be so great as completely to remove all anxiety a profound statement this Man, then, when he comes to a decision, cannot ever be sufficiently prescient, prescient, nor can he wait until logic affords him absolute certainty. Proof man does not expect certainty where it cannot exist, nor, on the other hand, does he deceive himself by false certainties. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, we can, uh, we, this, this idea, you know, of, of applying truth to reality and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it, it can't, it can't make, it can't, par- shouldn't paralyze us. Right into thinking that we can always have that perfect certitude about what is the best possible, you know, outcome in every situation. But sometimes it's about um, choosing the best by the knowledge of the situation that we have at the time. Yeah. So if we think about it, even a decision where you have imperfect information, where you're, you're going to, in the end, have to make a judgment call, mm. that, that's part of the prudent decision embedded in that situation, saying, mm. I don't have 10 hours to make this decision. And even if I did, it would be imprudent to use 10 hours to make this decision. Mm-hmm. You know, like, where are we going to go eat tonight, babe? You know, I yeah. might say to my spouse. Um, that's not, a, even if I could consider all the things in the universe, the, the nature of that decision is one where if I have to think about it more than a few few moments, I probably should just decide. Mm. Um, you know, we, prudence, again, in, in this moment, uh, I need to survey what I know um, but then I, I do also have to act, and you can be, you can err too much in any direction. And we'll talk about that a bit more in future episodes about very specific, concrete aspects of prudence 
but one of them is, uh, some of them are des uh, describing that prudence is this balance between not, uh, not being too little preparation or forethought, mm -hmm. so not just acting mindlessly, but it's also not overthinking things. It's recognizing that, no, I need to, in the moment, I need to, to do my best to survey uh, and make a decision. Um, now, another aspect of this that's important is also recognizing that, again, we're talking about virtue, so we're talking about habits that we grow in. You know, again, if you're if we if we've not lived prudent lives up to this point, then the first you know moment we wake up, we leave that Plato's cave, so to speak, and decide, wait, okay, Lord, I've been living in all sorts of unreality. I've been following my passions around. I've just been doing whatever I want. I've been trying to almost hide from thinking about reality because it's kind of painful because there's a lot of mess there, a lot of baggage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that first turning, that first conversion of saying, okay. I got to actually look at the, the mess that my life is and begin to make some decisions about it. Yeah, those are difficult. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we often find, okay, we've got lots of situations that need to be unpacked and dealt with and I need to learn about. But it's important to keep in mind that what we're growing in is, is a habit of soul that gets easier and more, more, red, more ready, more expedient, uh, stronger uh, as we grow in it, as mm -hmm. we practice it. Um, and again, we'll talk about some of those perfections of prudence more later on, but uh, the, the salient point here uh, for the moment is just that uh, it gets better. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, that's what, we're, what we're, um, we're looking for here is that if we make a habit of, of pulling back from, from unreality and trying to attend to, okay, what is real? Lord, what is your will for my life? What do I actually know? Um, uh, it gets easier to do that. It gets, it becomes more natural. It becomes more fluid. It becomes more peaceful to do mm -hmm. that. Yeah, because it does feel like a violent turning sometimes. It's amazing how something and kind of reflecting on, and reflecting on my experiences mm -hmm. in life, where I've had moments of you know kind of real victory and mm -hmm. kind of prudential, a prudential stepping back in an area that that you know I've not been prudent in. Um, not to say I am perfect in this at all. If anything, it it's made me realize, you know, how how consistently imprudent I am in many things. But um, it's amazing to see feel how that 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 pulling back, you know, uh, from a situation of where you you're you're set on a course, like mm. you you've I you know, like uh, for instance, let's say, you know, you've woken up every day um, for two years and had. Um, you know, uh, you've gone and had uh, 10 pancakes or something. You know, I don't know, whatever. Big yeah, bowl I'm trying of to think of, Three bowls to, of Lucky Charms. Three bowls. Yeah. It is easy to polish off three bowls of Lucky Charms. It That's is. like nothing. That's, I, that I, is. I speak from experience. <laughs> Those are sure. rookie numbers. I was trying to think of something that I haven't done to not be as referential, so thanks for bringing up Lucky Charms. You're welcome. So. <laughs> but it's amazing how, um, like, you know, you've done that for so long, and one, you know, one day someone's talking about temperance or something and you sort of kind of realize, though, like, you know what, that's probably not a very healthy option. So yeah. you made a change already there just from kind of recognizing, so, so not, not even in the moment, but more just recognizing kind of a greater reality of truth, that yeah. there's a higher thing to, to strive for there. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you make your external commitment outside of the situation, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm going to try to not do that, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I'm not going to go immediately to like the, the fridge and get my, you know, my 
three packages of Eggos out and or whatever, you know, whatever happened, happens to be the process for which I do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, there, there are other, you know, examples, easier yeah. examples we could use. Everyone has their own, their own, their own lucky charms or whatever. <laughs> their own bowls. <laughs> um, and it's amazing, though, that, that in that situation, you know, the first day he wakes up to try to do that, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the morning, yeah. <laughs> especially in the morning where it's really hard to attenuate yourself to reality because you have a lot of kind of emotions kind of going on and everything. Mm-hmm. If you've practiced that for so long, then it's going to feel like a very violent turning. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're going to get into your automatic mode where you're not even going to want to face your previous choice that you wouldn't want to do it, you're going to sit there and you're going to rationalize a bunch as you are already moving forward, you know, towards the thing. You'll be rationalizing, well, maybe I'll get started tomorrow. Maybe it's not as big a deal. Maybe, you know, there there are all these different things, all these little little bit of rationalizations that will help you kind of move forward and more more and more closer to to that thing because you've already basically jumped on the train and it's just taken you into the station. Yeah. And it's amazing how violent that initial kind of, stepping back from that situation can be yeah it, not not violent on the outside but violent internally yeah. and it, you almost can feel not, not to get like kind of overly spiritual with it but in the situations that i've been kind of in that situation, you can mm. almost feel the devil going no <laughs> you know like, you know, yeah. like oh like, yeah. you know i just tried to try to pull you back and it, it is it's crazy because in those moments you can almost you almost feel like that the spiritual warfare that is going mm. on in those moments you can really feel yeah but um, but it's also amazing mm-hmm. that with how violent that, that turning is, it's also amazing how much it feels like a surrender. Mm. In that it's not so, it's, it's less mm. about you violently with your force of will pulling away from, mm-hmm. from that and less about you just simply surrendering to the grace of God yeah. and trusting that I'll actually be able to do this and it won't kill me. Yeah. You know, I was reading again, but we've talked in past episodes about the heroic minute, you know, mm-hmm. that Jose Maris. And it's amazing because in the quote that he talks about, I was struck by this last time I read it. Mm-hmm. He says, um, he talks about the heroic minute and yeah. getting up and turning your mind to God immediately and then jumping out of bed without like thinking about it. Yeah. You know, like not, not dwell, not, not lingering in bed at all. That heroic minute of that minute after you wake up, turn your mind to God, you know, with a spiritual thought and then jump out of bed. Yeah. And he talks about how great like a, uh, how great like a kind of a penitential thing and a more form of mortification it is because it's so great and it actually does no harm to the body. Uh-huh. And he says that in one hand to say like, you know, it's good that it's not one of those things we're doing. We're actually hurting ourselves as a form of mortification. We shouldn't be doing that. But I also sort of sense that it's like in that moment, your body is telling you that you are going to die <laughs> if you yeah. live, if you, you leave the bed. You have to anchor yourself in that reality. You have to anchor yourself in the reality that it's actually <laughs> not going to be die. bad. I won't die. <laughs> That'll be our motto. We won't, won't die, die. Right? <laughs> you know, if I don't eat those pancakes, I'll actually be all right. Yeah. You know, in yeah. each of these situations, we can see in that, yeah. in that struggle and in that surrender, that it's actually a turning to reality. Right. It's not, it's not, you know, it, it's very much a turning to reality because it's turning away from all the lies that you're speaking to yourself, that the devil is speaking to you, the world, the flesh, and the devil are speaking yeah. to you, you know, and that. Um, all those things we want to believe because it's just easier, you know, to stay in those, that kind of mire. But it's always a surrendering to and a turning to reality. Right. That's the beginning. You know what's that's funny prudent. about that whole situation you described? What I find is when I have a situation like that where I, I recognize something that needs to change, you know, I recognize a, a new bit of truth, you know, and I decide to make a change. Usually for me, the first day is not the hard day because mm. I'm still, I'm still, 
Yeah, I've got some passion. motivation. Sure. I got excited. Okay, I'm going to make a change. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. Yes, Lord, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So the first day usually is the easy day for me because I'm like, I made a plan. and I Oh, there's my plan. Yes, I'll jump out of bed. For me, it's usually that second or that third day mm-hmm. when I'm like, why did I do this? Why <laughs> did I? Do I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, like, it's just, this seems like awfully extreme to yeah, not eat three bowls of uh, Lucky Charms this morning, you know. <laughs> it's, it's sort of the, uh, Chesterton calls it the failure the, you know, the real, um, oh, I can't remember the phrasing, but the failure of the honeymoon, that, that's mm. the phrase he uses, that, you know, you fall in love and then and you get married and then the failure of the honeymoon means that at some point the honeymoon phase mm. of a relationship or, of, again, of anything worthwhile in life, that phase where you were motivated, you were operating out of passion, and mm. it was passion for something good, that wanes and then the question becomes, do I, do I continue to operate in accord with reality even when my passion has fallen out, yeah. the floor has fallen out of my motivation. Yeah, that's the question. At my parish, one of the things that we're about to start doing, I mean, a group of guys, actually, we're up to like 12 guys, which yeah. is kind of awesome because it's just like one after another. It's just been like, oh, hey, you want to, uh, yeah, you know, like just, yeah, we're, we're going to do the Exodus 90 program. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if you, you all have heard of the Exodus 90 We'll 90 put a program, link in the description, but, but give them a, yeah. a quick overview. Um, Basically, the idea is that it, it, it combines both the spiritual wisdom of, of the centuries, you know, with some kind of modern scientific, psychological um, uh, methods and, and, you know, and knowledge um, to basically to put together a program that works to help you break free from kind of the habitual chains that you've been living in, especially specifically kind of for men, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, so the idea of the 90 is because contemporary science shows that to break free from a habit, you got to practice breaking that habit for 90 days. Yeah. So that's this whole 90 thing. But it's called Exodus because the way that in which we do that is by entering kind of a desert. Is mm-hmm. is entering a desert of these kind of of physical um, of physical comforts, you know, and, and even spiritual and emotional comforts to try to get down to the root thing that is in for, that is constantly kind of keeping you enslaved to whatever th- whatever bad habit you're in. Yeah. And so, like getting down to recognizing that, oh, you know, I'm struggling with watching pornography mm-hmm. getting down to the fact that a lot of times you're falling into that over and over again because of loneliness yeah. or because of just feelings of like meaninglessness or these different things you know um or just of when i'm extremely tired or i'm stressed out you know um and so it the idea is to kind of enter into this desert where you can become first of all more aware of those things yeah. of those those actual impulses and those those experiences in your life that are dragging you and keeping you enchained in those things and then trying to deal with them but the reason i brought it up mm-hmm. is because what an essential part of the exodus 90 program is that you do it with a group of other men yes. to hold you accountable mm-hmm. Because exactly what you're talking about. The first day, it's like everybody's like wakes up that first day of Exodus 90, like yeah. this is gonna be this great. Is, oh, I'm man. gonna be a freaking amazing. And by the end yes. of this, like oh, I'm like a marine. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then like by and, day and, three, and just so the audience knows, if you're not familiar with, I mean, it involves like oh, yeah. it's a 90 day commitment group of guys, and you do you do cold showers, and you give up media and sugar and a yeah. bunch of other stuff. It's eating outside of meals. So, so like you know. Just, so again, the yeah. first day you're kind of pumped up, like yeah. Yeah, this is gonna be awesome. You yeah. know. The third day, the thirtieth day, the sixtieth day. Well, I think I'm done now. <laughs> <I think. laughs> this is fun. The the, 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 so. the accountability aspect of it um, is is so important, and it, it also again it gets into this particular discussion today that you know why is accountability whether we're talking mm-hmm. about a program like Exodus ninety or you know AA or mm-hmm. any program out there why does what's so important about the accountability aspect? Mm-hmm. There's many 
reasons why it's important, but one aspect is that when you have to speak to another person, that forces you to face up to reality. Mm -hmm. It's very easy if you remain in your own thoughts to always, I mean, you, you used the word earlier, rationalization. Mm -hmm. And that's such an important word for this discussion about prudence because prudence is, is precisely about being a person of reason. I want to tend to a reality and I want to, I want to make the reasonable, reasonable um, uh, response to that reality. Well, what is rationalization when we use that term? Mm. That precisely means I'm, I'm, I'm disattaching from reality and, mm. and trying to come up with reasons why this is okay or why I don't have to attend to that reality. We're, mm. we're telling ourselves polite fictions. Mm. We're staying, we're, we're, um, we're rationalizing in this tautology, this self-referential fiction. You know, anytime we have an attachment, when we have a passion for something uh, and we're not turning to reality, we're not engaging prudence, we're rationalizing mm -hmm. why this is the case, why this is good, why I'm, I'm fine the way I am. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you have to tell somebody, you know, in, in the context of coming home network too, the, the reason the Catholic Church, you know, in, the, in the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the reason we have confession, you know, to tell this to another human being there mm -hmm. that Christ has given to you, is you have to face reality. Mm -hmm. It's harder, it's, it's, it's easier to tell yourself lies than it is to look somebody else in the eye and tell them lies. Mm -hmm. Unless you're a very calloused, practiced liar. Like yeah. It's harder to look that person in the eye yeah. and lie to them. It's very easy to tell yourself mm -hmm. polite little fictions to get through the Polite fictions, I, I, I love that phrase. <laughs> I love that phrase. It just gets, it gets down fictions. to it so much that how, like the devil is a, he, he, he likes to portray himself as like a gentleman. Yeah. Like in the sense of like he gives you these very reasonable, you know, he kind of helps kind of just feed you, feed your natural kind of your natural worldly and, and personal desires yeah. of the flesh and, and the world, he feeds them with these little tiny little kind of points of quote unquote logic. You know, yeah. it's very reasonable to do this, very reasonable to do this. But it, it's amazing because after when we step outside of that fiction, it's like uh, it's like a lion. You know, yeah. a lion is released, and we feel that, and we kind of experience it. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but but it's yeah, it's it's a fi it's a fiction. It's like I was actually talking with another guy the other day about about very similar situations when he would get stuck, uh, you know, in these, well, not to bring up like a lot, not to bring it like more than it should be, but yeah. he was kind of st stuck in these situations where he would, you know, end up going to pornography and over and over again. Yeah. And we kind of, as we were talking about, we sort of came to this sort of visualization of it's like you get, you, uh, you, you're on this train in this tunnel, you know, that's rolling along. And the fictions that are, that are told are kind of like they, they form the walls of this tunnel, mm. you know. That that basically says, well, there's obviously there's no way you can jump off this train, right. you know. If you jump off the train, you're gonna hit the wall. All these things, and how we were talking about, like, what can we do? What can you do in those situations to jump off the train and to realize that the wall is just a, like a, an illusion yeah. that you'll end up like in the sun, you know, if you right. just jump through that wall. And so, like, we were even coming up with just things like go outside and stand in the snow for a minute or two. I mean, like, you know, yeah. it's just, even just silly things like that. Sometimes we just need to break out of that, those blinders that get right. put on us in those situations where we know that this train is just going to keep on rolling and it's going to get, it's going to pull into that harbor there and we feel like there's nothing that we can do about it. Yeah. You know, pull, pull into that station, there's nothing we can do about it. The rationalization are the, are the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and per, this habit of prudence this habit that, again, it's not just a, a one-time action. This, ha this habit of soul that we want to develop in our life is this turning back to reality and saying, no, what's the real story? Mm. Not the stories I tell myself. Not what I want reality to be. Mm. 
you know, and 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 this can take this can and should take the form of a prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, like what we especially when we we've gotten off track, we want to turn back to reality and say, Lord, what is real? What is true? You know, what um, what is your will for my life? That we always want to be anchoring back on those realities. There's another quote I wanted to another peeper quote here. Man, we love our peeper quotes. Um, this is from his anthology. What is asked of us then is no less than this: to reduce our own interest to that silence, which is an absolute precondition if we want to hear or perceive anything. And there's a much more to that quote, but I actually want mm-hmm. us to stop there for now. What is asked of us then is no less than this: to reduce our own interest to that silence, which is an absolute precondition if we want to hear or perceive anything. That's a powerful image. Okay, if I want. Even, even if I want to see and hear reality, if I even want to be open to truth, I, almost, I first have to choose it, to want it. And I have to recognize that, okay, I'm not turning to truth because I'm interested. Again, it's using this mm-hmm. term interested. I want to be disinterested. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to truth trying to find what I want to find there. Mm. I want to leave my interest aside, my passion, my motivation. Maybe the stories I was telling myself, the stories that the world was telling me, the things that I clung to because they made my life at least comfortable, if not mm-hmm. joyful. And I, I want to reduce that interest to silence for a moment and turn to say, you know, what is real? You know, mm-hmm. what is what is true? You know, uh, and again, as you said, uh, the, the devil's all about polite fiction. It's all about lies, um, lies about uh, who God is. Let me go back to Eden. I mean, that's what, you know, that the first thing was this trying to get Adam and Eve to accept something they knew was not true. Mm-hmm. God doesn't, you can't really trust God. Yeah. You got you need to, you need to, to, to have a provision. You need to have a, mm-hmm. a, a conjugal, what's it called? A conjugal, the, the contract that people sign. Yeah. Would it prenup? A pre, you need to, you need a prenup with God. You yeah. can't, you know, you need yeah. to make sure you've got an out. Don't go all in. You yeah. know, <laughs> you don't go all in. Yeah. Um, Whereas if we if we're honest with ourselves, like we know we know that God is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not we we choose to turn back to that reality in those difficult situations. And say, you know, if God is trustworthy, then I need to do X, Y, or Z. You know, another aspect of this I think that's important to keep in mind too is just because um, oftentimes we certainly we're always living um, with ignorance. We're always living with imperfect information about any aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's important to keep types of information, types of truth. In mind, like there are things we can know for certain, like mathematical truth. I know that two plus two equals four. You know, I, I at least uh, believe I know. You know that God exists and He's God, and I have met Him. I have encountered Him. Uh, I choose to believe in Christ and believe the truth He's revealed. So those things are kind of solid for for we Christians. Those truths are solid and, and there, and we evaluate our, our the the changing um, temporal aspects of our life in light of those those eternal realities. But think about what often happens in, in day-to-day life, especially in the modern world, especially in this informational age, how tightly people cling to the, the temporal, the changing, the contingent things. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this I know this politician, and I know this party, and I know the reality of the scientific situation because I've read these headlines. Those are all things that are, in some sense, are fundamentally in, indeterminate. Like you can't, you can only know them with a reasonable degree of probability. You can't mm-hmm. know them for certain. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like to, uh, we, we need to keep a kind of a loose, handled grasp on things that are, are less knowable, more changing, more more passing, 
and a, and a tighter grasp on those things that are eternal and unchanging. You know, God is trustworthy. Um, you know, his, his love is true and trustworthy and, uh, and it's the basis of our lives. Like, we can know that. We can experience that. that. You know, whether or not this politician is trustworthy, who the heck knows? I mm-hmm. mean, like, I can have an opinion about that. I can even have a, have a rather well-informed opinion about mm-hmm. that. But I should recognize that that's a, a very different kind of reality mm-hmm. that's much more indeterminate, much more illusory compared to the eternal things. Mm-hmm. I think that's helpful to keep in mind because sometimes uh, if, we're, if we're really honest, if we're really trying to turn to reality and questioning our prejudices, questioning our assumptions, questioning the stories we want to cling to, but maybe we want to step back and really examine, a lot of those we're going to recognize that uh, it's not a simple question of it's either true or false. It's just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're in a conversation with someone and they ask you a question, again, your passions are involved. And oftentimes you want to, even if you don't fully know the question, you want to double down mm-hmm. and give them an mm-hmm. answer. When oftentimes we ought to be saying, you know what, that's a great question. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go research that and come back, you know. But, yeah. but that's the truth. If, if that's the truth, I really don't know the answer to that. And that has to be... That, that's the prudent thing is to say that and, mm-hmm. to, and to live according to that reality rather than trying to make up a polite fiction. Oh, yes, it's, it's definitely this. Pretty sure I read that headline someplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's something about being a, a lover of the truth. And that's what you know, a philosopher means in a mm-hmm. sense. Lover mm-hmm. wisdom, lover of the truth. Yeah. Being one who, who loves, loves the truth, who loves telling the truth, who desires for the truth to be made known even if it's just the truth of not really knowing, you know, yeah. the situation. Yeah. Desires that truth to be made known, even when it seems like it'll be kind of a, it would be a simple white lie to not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about being someone who loves the truth in that way that's really uh, remarkable and that, that, that is pointed at, uh, the, the goodness and importance of that is pointed at in exactly what you're talking about because in reference to what we were talking about before, because we see how simple, polite fictions, even if they're simple and polite, <laughs> um, they they set us down a path, and they 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 enclose us down that path, and they make it difficult to do for us to to decide to do anything other than what is already predetermined by that path. Mm. You know, uh, there's a real there's a real reality of you know we we probably all seen over and over how we get we get trapped in our lies. Get trapped in the lies that we tell, you know. In those that situation you were talking about, where maybe your your pride steps up a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, I need to pretend I know maybe more than I do, or maybe be a bit more certain, quote unquote, mm-hmm. about something I'm not as certain of." Where as soon as you, you when you step down that, then your pride will keep you on that path, oh, yeah. and it'll keep you trapped in that lie because every time you take a more step forward, yeah. it's just that much more shameful and embarrassing to try to admit to the truth. Yeah. You know, and and it's like that. It's like that in many ways. In when we are kind of on that journey of of trying to make kind of have a prudent response to something. You know, mm-hmm. that especially it's a when it's a habituated, you know, sinful action or imprudent action that we've mm-hmm. just gotten used to, is that. And there was, I think it was Francis de Sales who said this. As soon, as soon as we start arguing with the devil, we've already lost. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, as soon as we start arguing with the devil, we've already lost because as soon as we take kind of that first step down that journey where you begin a little bit of a rationalization, then it's that much harder every step of the way. We, we enclose ourselves in that tunnel a little bit more every step of the way because we have to admit our own wrongness to a greater degree 
every step of you know closer that we get to it you know and it, rather than just at the beginning we just kind of stop you know if we just yeah. have to we cut it off at the source then it's easy to just be like okay like i'm here but every step we take along the way is just that much farther we have to come back in a sense yeah. in a spiritual kind of an emotional sense we have to come back yeah if we're going to uh stop it and so that prudent turning to reality right at the beginning is yeah. so important and not allowing ourselves to step down that rationalization line Cutting at the source is so important. Yeah, you know, and that that, that points out the it puts in sharp relief this connection between um, two aspects of ourselves that I think sometimes we we separate in our mind. We we separate sort of our intellectual life, our apprehension of truth, mm -hmm. and our moral life. You know, so think of the way people interact on the internet. You know, yeah. oftentimes, you know, like a person may uh, speak a lot of things they think are true, but be a, a complete jerk about it. Now. It's at some place in ourselves we've told often told ourselves the lie that well there's no connection between my ability to apprehend and to share truth and my 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 like my character mm -hmm. like yeah I may be a jerk but I'm telling the truth here well the reality is that those are not two distinct spheres that operate independently of each mm -hmm. other they're actually deeply interconnected and precisely for the reasons you're saying once you begin to if you are not a person of virtue you can't um, you can't be sure you know what the true truth is because it takes courage to face up to difficult truths or to face up to previous lies that I've told or, or, or accepted. Mm -hmm. It takes temperance to, to hold myself back from a story I really want to be true. Mm -hmm. I want to go all in even though I have no evidence. That's, that's an intemperance that I wrestle with. Mm -hmm. And so even if at one hour of the day you may be on the right track in terms of truth, if you don't have virtue, then um, you you will simply be pulled around by your desires and your fears, and you'll believe whatever you. In the end, you'll believe whatever you want to believe. I have uh, a really good example of that. Yeah, I love coffee. We both yes. know we we both love coffee a lot and everything. Yes. Um, oh no. And people love chocolate. <laughs> I know. No, it's okay. Okay. Well, we're, so there's there's. I'm gonna give two examples real quick. One one is yeah. One doesn't hurt me as much. I love but, both like, of those. Yeah, I love so both of these things. So it's this is making yeah, me right. nervous here. No, it's we both love coffee, right? So. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while, you know, you see something come up says like, oh, maybe it's bad, you know, that you have that much caffeine a day to have like four or five cups of coffee in a day. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, probably not, you know, <laughs> but then like one article pops up that says drinking coffee can make you live longer. And you're like, I'm going to share that. I'm going to share this everywhere. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to share this on every... Right. I don't even, right. even, even read the article, but the point is that it fits very nicely into what's yes. convenient for me, and so I tend to believe Cognitive it. Cognitive bias. Now, the second example is a bit more scary, because the first the first example, it actually it seems like there actually might be some truth to that, just in terms of kind of looking at the data. So anyway, but... <laughs> there must be, there must because be. I love because coffee. Because I love coffee, <laughs> obviously. It probably... I don't know how much I, I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, um, I'm probably very intemperate yeah. with my coffee intake. <laughs> the uh, the second one is there was one about uh, it was like dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. You know, eating dark chocolate is like it can help you live longer or something. You know, sure. and it was put out there. It was like this 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 study that was done. It was put out there in the scientific community, and it became kind of this worldwide sensation. Everything and you know peer peer reviewed all this stuff like yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know and, and these different companies were to like looking at it and kind of like reading the data on it or reading like you know what was said in the article just like oh wow, that's kind of cool and you know kind of sharing it too and everything. Yeah. After it became like this worldwide thing, it was revealed that the people who not did the study but basically made the article mm 
did it to see if they could skip slip something by <laughs> so in the scientific community. It was a complete hoax. Yes. None of the studies and stuff around it were done. Yeah. But <laughs> a couple things you know, involved there. One is that it's very easy to believe something you want to believe. Yeah. It's very easy to pass over whether you actually you know, vet the things behind it and decide whether they're trustworthy or not and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's scary to realize that that can happen to us all the time. And mm -hmm. it does oftentimes happen to us just because we, we take things and we don't really vet it because we want it to be true. Yeah. You know? yeah. Even internally, right? Yeah. Internally, we a little, a little white lies posed there by the devil, a little rationalization, and instead of vetting it, because we want it to be true, we just kind of like, oh, that seems logical, so I'm just going yeah. to take it. Yeah. Well, we probably uh, beat around that bush, or that's not, that's the wrong uh, metaphor Beat here. the bush? We probably beat the horse dead enough? We probably beat around the dead horse enough? No. <laughs> is the horse really dead? That's the really point <laughs> is, probably enough for this episode. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe just a few closing thoughts in terms of, um, you know, the practicality of all this, you know, again, it's easy to get a little heady with this stuff, but it, it really is practical. It really, mm -hmm. again, I, and hopefully we've highlighted some of those aspects today. I mean, we constantly, this is not the, the stuff of the big, scary moral decisions in our life. This is the stuff of, again, the first moments we get out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's do we, do we engage this, this habit of, of going through life alert and awake and intentional, attending to the reality of things. You know, when I, Whenever I feel myself pulled in a given direction, do I do I step back and say no? But what but what ought I be doing? Mm -hmm. What what is who is God? Who am I? What are my real responsibilities? What is my real vocation? Mm -hmm. What is the real hierarchy of goods that I should be responding to in my life? You know, those like we, we turn back to those realities. I, I love how that, that's the word that keeps coming to my mind in terms of prudence is this turning. You know that that that's the normal way that we experience prudence. I think is. Is recognizing, oh, I need to turn back and, and ask what is real, what is true, mm -hmm. what's God's will for my life? Lord, what do you want for me? And, and then it's in that light, usually we can see all these little fictions that we would rather cling to. And so uh, it gets better. You know, mm -hmm. that's what we're, we're trusting here. As we practice this, you know, that uh, as we practice prudence, as we pray for prudence, mm -hmm. that uh, we become people who uh, find it more easy and more delightful, more joyful to turn back. And as you were saying, to love the truth. Well, that's why so many saints have, well, a number of saints, I should say, a number of saints have advised like trying to, trying to attend to one um, virtue at a time or something. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be necessarily the virtue of prudence. He, they would probably be more talking about the virtues that kind of cascade down from these cardinal virtues. Yeah. But because, you know, when we're talking about the virtue of prudence, it is literally like every moment of the day there's something. And we can't just kind of, mm -hmm. we can't, expect to try to be able to make giant leaps and all that stuff all at mm -hmm. once. Um, but if we were to take one like particular virtue or one mm -hmm. particular habit that we're going to try to break free of or something, mm -hmm. and we said, okay, we're going to start at the beginning, you know, of, all right, how do we start this? We start with the turning towards reality, mm -hmm. you know, of that. That's going to happen. We're going to have that happen a bunch of times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And that's how you start when it comes to any, like any, any of those, you know, good things that we want to develop in our life, those good virtues and stuff. Yeah. It's got to begin with that yeah. because that's how we make it. First of all, we, we, it becomes a virtue and not just kind of a reaction that we kind yeah. of sputters and then eventually kind of, right. you're, that, that flames and then sputters and then right. dies, you know, and it becomes a habituate. It becomes a thing that we're habituate, habitually turning to the truth in all the situations that have to do with that virtue that we're trying to grow into, and it becomes a process by which we grow and it becomes easier. Yeah. yeah. 
it says in, in uh, Proverbs somewhere, uh, the prudent man looks ahead. Hmm. You know, so um, starting small but attempting to like make a plan. You know, making a to-do list is the simple, is a very simple, you know, ground level act of prudence saying, okay, I got a day ahead of me today. I can't do everything. I don't want to be overwhelmed, but like what are three, I like the practice of what are three things I can, I can do, mm-hmm. I should do, that I can do today. I, I at least want to tackle those three. If I can tackle those three, it'll, it will be in some sense a good day. Start, start there, make a plan. And then on the other end of the day, you know, the practice of an examination of conscience, you know, where we're specifically, maybe even at a time when we don't want to, we'd rather just go to bed, to take a few moments and to, to bring ourselves in the presence of God and to turn back to our day and say, okay, what happened? And I, I want to be, be honest with myself about what happened. And I want to bring mm-hmm. the real, those realities to God. Mm-hmm. I want to turn to them to be discouraged or to despair or to, to wallow in, oh, I've messed up so many times. No, I want to turn. I want to see what happened. I want to give that to God. I want to ask his mercy. I want to pray for grace. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a habit of, of can, turning to the reality of things rather than maybe out of reaction staying in yeah. unreality. And Jesus said, you know, I came to save those who I came to save the sinners. You know, I came to save those who are lost. Um, and it's amazing how much of the time, because we don't kind of reflect back and attend to the reality, we stay kind of stuck in these fictions where we don't even realize the ways that we're being sinful and therefore are not inviting the mercy of God to our life. Yeah. And, and that's so important is that we don't turn to these things at the end of the day, like you said, to make ourselves feel bad, yeah. but it's so that we can invite the mercy of God into it and the grace of God, because ultimately His grace is the only way we're going to succeed and, and make yeah. any of those changes. So. And maybe that's even another reason why it's appropriate to begin with prudence and to really to really dig into it and and, and understand it because um, um, we don't like being weak. <laughs> we don't like being right. weak, uh, erring human beings. We would we would prefer to just focus on courage and temperance and and, ver- and disciplines, whatever. But to start with saying no, no, no. The first place is always and will forever be the reality. The reality of who God is, who I am, what's actually happening in my life, and to respond according to that. And so that then even when I recognize, yeah, I need to grow in courage, the point is I'm still I'm facing without dishonesty, without fiction, I'm facing the reality of my brokenness and giving that to God first, even before I go about the business of trying to correct it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the reality is we're probably out of time and oh, I'm out of coffee. Way out of coffee, so... Yep. Well, we thank you again for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. We hope that you've enjoyed it and found it uh, edifying and inspirational in some ways. Um, we'd love to hear what you think, you know. And so, again, we're pro- this is produced by the Coming Home Network International, and the Coming Home Network is a network of people who have embraced full communion with the Catholic Church, uh, and we're a network of those people who are helping others making a similar journey. And so, if that's you, uh, if you're someone who's become Catholic or is asking questions about the Catholic Church. We'd love to walk that journey with you, so we invite you to visit uh, chnetwork.org. We've got a lot of great resources, stories, testimonies, as well as an online community where you can interact with uh, fellow members and, and hosts uh, of shows uh, from the Coming Home Network. So check that out. Uh, and then, of course, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on YouTube or on your favorite podcast service, you know, be sure to like and share and subscribe and all those internet things. Um, and yeah, and let us know uh, what you think. Let us know um, as you're digging into the virtues yourselves, the questions you have, the, the thoughts, the responses that you have. Uh, we want to we want to tackle those, dig into them a little bit as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you again for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>